quite unusual. I have a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. Just a quick one. Really just a super quick, quick question. Quest, uh, quick cue for you. Um, would you still want to be my friend? Okay. If, okay, I don't know why you paused and thought about that in general. I, well, it's a question that you ask me a lot, so I'm just preparing myself for what's coming next. Okay, would you still be my friend? If, yeah. If mm-hmm. I had three of my limbs replaced. With what? A robotic limbs. Yeah. But. Absolutely. At the end of those limbs, I have one human leg. Oh, it's the leg that I you have, have one keep? leg, okay. one human leg, and it's specifically my Seems right like leg. It would keep you wildly off balance. No, it'll be fine. Oh, it's it's not okay. It's it's for you. Were uh, very confident when you said that. It's just for because like I got to keep the sex appeal. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm. like that one. Leg. How are you going to hail a cab without the one human leg to show? If I'm not showing my ankle to prospective gentleman suitors, I will get nowhere in life. They're not. Is all yeah, I know. They're not going to know if they want to date you. So, would you still be my friend if I had three robotic limbs? Yes. But instead of fingers and toes, mm-hmm. I had writing utensils and small tools. What kind of tools are we talking? It depends. I'm thinking. Is like, there a wine opener? Oh well, yeah. There's a corkscrew on one. Okay, so then yes. A bottle opener on the other one. <laughs> yes. Um, I'd like to think my thumb is just like the head of a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Very big. Cannot wear gloves. That's fine. My hands don't get cold. They're robot hands now. Okay. I want to go with like a real like go-go gadget situation, but I'm always gadgetized. You know what I mean? Is one of them a knife? Well, yeah, obviously. That's my middle fingers are knives. Well, then yes, I would definitely be your friend. It seems like it would be very handy to have you around me. So yeah. Here's the catch. I definitely. <laughs> I weigh approximately 6,000 pounds because I am made mostly of metal. I'm not. Point. Do I have to lift you? No, but like okay. walking around the house and like we probably will have to like reinforce the floors if we're being honest. Well, I mean, that could get a little problematic. Like, would it be annoying? Like, would you still like be my friend? Like, you would look past that. Yeah, of course. Oh, good. thank you. I would just be like, hey, can you open this for me? And you'd be like, Ch-ch-ch. yeah, be perfect. And then that's the noise that makes. That's the noise that my robotic arms. Ooh, can one of them be a can opener too? Like an automatic can opener? Yeah, obviously. Like, what are we? Perfect. Yeah, that's obviously the pinky. I'm done. Everyone knows. Yes, that's a pinky toe actually. So it's really hard for me to like. We have to put the can on the floor to do it. Pinky toe. I'm not very flexible. And you have to balance too on your one human leg. One human leg. That's what it's for. Balance and sex appeal. Perfect. Okay, cool. Um, on another unrelated note, I'm thinking about having a few small procedures done recent, uh, you know, in, in the future. So I, I might, um, I won't need your help opening soup cans, but I might need you to go to the store and get me some soup while I heal for a while. Okay. Okay. Just unrelated. I thought you were going to say, uh, in an unrelated note, I'm going to introduce this episode. No, I can though. If pro- we're done pro- with robot talk. Uh, I'm done. Are you done? I'm. I have nothing else to say. Do you? You should probably introduce. Have anything to add? Um. I will would love you as a friend, no matter how many robotic limbs you decided to put on your body. Oh, Nicole. Well, on that adorable note, thank you. Um, welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. <laughs> we are your hosts. I am soon to be robotic Noel, and I am just normal human Nicole. Oh. Yay. I am just a normal human. And we're back, baby, for Aliens Part 2. Alien Races Part 2. We didn't know it was going to be a two-parter, so we were mildly to moderately unprepared for this introduction. Luckily, I had a lot to say. <laughs> a little bit. I have something to add, though. Okay. 
So um, my mom texted me this morning, and she has – so my mom's a huge animal person. Mm-hmm. She volunteers at a cat rescue. Mm-hmm. That's um, where my she, babies came from. Yep, she fosters mm-hmm. a lot of cats. So this morning she texts me, and she says that she's fostering three little polydactyl kittens. Which I did not know what that was. And they're only 12 days old. and So polydactyl oh. means that they have um, six six little toes. You know, they have, like, little, like – So cute toe like real like yeah thumbs. yeah and so she sends me a picture of the toes and then she sends me a picture of like the little kitten face <sighs> and it looks like a little gray alien <laughs> and she was like well what do i name them and i was like well they look like little gray aliens yeah obviously so and she said she has two boys and one girl so i said okay you name the two boys uh-huh. valiant obviously. and indrid obviously and then the girl's got to be venus it has to be venus which is perfect because venusians also have six fingers and six toes or what do they just have six fingers i didn't find anything about the toe situation but i, I don't know if anyone's actually like seen any of their toes you're telling me right now that there is no venusian foot fetish community cuz i oh, beg there, to differ. there probably definitely is but Based on my research, I cannot yeah. neither confirm nor deny okay. whether or not Venusians have also six toes. But they do have six fingers. I'm going to say they likely have also six toes. Yeah. Yeah. That's Probably. My, that's my take on that. So, yeah. So, uh, the little kittens, this episode inspired. Oh, it's it's dedicated the to the kittens. Yes. This episode dedicated is to three kittens. Dedicated to your six-toed kittens. Uh, so I think we should maybe just hop into it because this is a, a thick baby boy here. This is a thick, thick section. So if you remember last week, Noelle brought us the tale of the Greys, which are arguably probably the most well-known alien species or race. Oh, yeah. It's like, like the, like, capital T, the alien Right. Species. You think alien, you think Greys. Obviously. Well, I'm going to bring you guys some knowledge about Venusians. Drop your knowledge on those Venusians, girl. Venusians, who you probably wouldn't even recognize as an alien if you saw one because they look just like us. Well, sexier. They are the sexiest alien species that there is. The hot, hot Venusians. And you guessed it, they come from planet Venus. Ooh, my favorite painting, The Birth of the Venusian. <laughs> so Venus is the second planet from the sun. And in the 1950s, scientists discovered that due to a gigantic greenhouse effect and high amounts of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the temperature of the planet can get over 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Meaning life as we know it is pretty much impossible. Well, I have a feeling in, I don't know, oh, 8 to 10 30 years tops Mm -hmm. we will fully understand the greenhouse effect and mass amounts of carbon dioxide so i don't want to say that this isn't going to be like venus too oh but like it's a little too v too (laughs) nushin (laughs) nushin yeah i'd have to agree with you on that because scientists have still found evidence of biological activity on the planet even carl sagan once suggested that life could exist there i believe everything carl sagan says yeah so yeah like <laughs> you, you with, have to without a doubt 
Also, what's super cool and something that I never knew is that some believe Venus was once habitable. <laughs> Studies suggest Venus may have had a small ocean and normal temperatures for close to 2 billion years. I am truly obsessed with this idea. Mm-hmm. So I will let you continue before I spiral. Yeah. Well, save the spiral for later. I will. Since Venus is closer to the sun than Earth, some people believe the sun dried up whatever water used to be on the surface during those two billion years. And then with no water left on the surface, carbon dioxide built up in the atmosphere, leading to a greenhouse effect, which created the present unhabitable conditions. But I'm saying, what if, what if during those two billion years of habitability, what if, what if life found a way? Life always finds a way. (laughs) And what if these beings evolved and found a way to live under the surface of Venus? I just got goosebumps. I need to spiral. What if they were able to develop, say... I don't know, a spacecraft. What if? And fly to another habitable planet. Like planet Earth. An Earth-like planet? An Earth-like planet. An Earth-like planet? Well. Spiral on. Little lady. (laughs) Meryl, spiral on. Thank you. Um... At risk of sounding like a lunatic person. Nope. This is our podcast. You have to this sound. This is a safe say space what you want. for me. This is this a safe, is a safe space. space. Say what you want. Me and our all of our international <laughs> listeners, yeah. we've all agreed this is a safe space for me. We have we do have a lot of listeners in Chile, so Chile. Um I agree. I think here's mm-hmm. the thing is that we're I hope later we're gonna talk about um a lot of celebrities that are definitely Venusians. Yeah. Okay, obviously. I knew you would put it in there. Oh, no, I didn't. I knew you would. No, I didn't put it in. Oh, well, we'll get into that then. We'll Um, we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, So clearly Venusians live here. Everyone knows. It's pretty fucking obvious. We know that for, I'm going to say, a fact, okay, that Venusians are walking amongst us. (laughs) Or maybe have mated with some of us. That is 100% also the Mm -hmm. case, as we discussed in last episode. The tall whites who love the love guru. Um, They are human beings mixed with gray aliens so it is for sure i mean they created a liger why wouldn't they create a human and what, what's the difference love is love love is love you guru. fall in love with someone <laughs> love is love guru yes they might be an alien they might be a human yeah they might be you saw lars and the real girl they might just be an animatronic sex doll we don't know love is love is and love anything is, love is okay guru. Probably. It's fine. I'm not here to judge that. I don't give a shit right now, honestly. You do you. I want to talk about how it makes perfect sense, because if they think that Venus was Earth-like in existence, right, Mm -hmm. for a super long time, i.e. this planet, also called Earth. Crazy, right? Wow. Also headed down, I think, the same trajectory Mm -hmm. as where Venus ended up. So We're on a runaway train. Never look back. Yeah. Pretty much. We're going down a runway, tra- a one-way track right now, okay? So I think that this is so probable that there were humanoid-type people. Mm-hmm. Maybe we are those humanoids. Who knows? Whatever. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy definitely is. Oh, my God, yeah. That bitch is a Venusian, for sure. And she's, I use bitch in the loving sense. I love her. She's, she's too a pretty. Venusian. Yeah, she's too pretty. Mm-hmm. She has to be part alien. Uma Thurman? Venusian. Definitely. It's like... We'll, definitely. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. 
But I 100% agree with this. It makes total sense because um, the ozone, it depletes, right? So mm-hmm. then obviously, like, the sun gets more intense, water dries up, there's no vegetation, nothing can sustain life under the level, i.e. a hollow earth type deal, but a hollow earth, uh, but like Venus, hollow Venus? Hollow Venus. Sure. Yeah. Um why? Why wouldn't there be people in there? There absolutely is. There absolutely be. would be. <laughs> so So I'm just I fully so subscribe I to this. One hundred percent. Thank you for letting me spiral in my safe space. I'm a little snowflake well, spiraling down. Well you and several other people believe Venusians have visited our, our planet and several people have written about them. And just to let you guys know, the Venusians are the good guys. Yeah, because greys are the bad guys. Greys are the bad guys. Basically, every story involving a Venusian is a story about how one of them was sent here to help Earth, to basically just help the human race in general. And some people even believe that Princess Diana was a Venusian. It makes more sense. Or had a Venusian soul. Yep. Because, yeah, like you said, makes total sense. Some say Venusians are the alien race that look most like people. And actually, they are always just depicted as very beautiful people. Yeah. And if I may, um, wide set eyes, Mm -hmm. blonde hair, Mm -hmm. slender, Mm -hmm. graceful. Not always blonde hair, because we'll see a little bit later on that there is one of the most famous Venusians who visited us. He didn't have blonde hair. But I think generally speaking, it's typically... It's like an ethereal, like, angelic vibe about yeah. them. Usually contactees say they are beautiful, mm-hmm. Nordic-like humanoids with blonde hair, which, if you think about it, Venus once was Earth-like for two billion years, so it would make sense that they would look like humans. It makes total sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Similar planet. Absolutely. I mean, we're they're, they're our neighbors, so, like... Mm-hmm. We're all, if we're all living on virtually, like, the same thing, we're gonna the same planet, the we're going to look, there's no reason we would look dissimilar. Right. We hear all about Mars and putting a colony on Mars and life on Mars all the time because it's the best-selling show. But. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming up with that. Really appreciate the support. But did you know? That Venus's surface is the most Earth-like, even more so than Mars? That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I never knew that, and after doing this research, I now fully believe that Venus was once like Earth, and people lived there, and I also believe that Earth is headed in the same direction as Venus, so. <laughs> and not because of our close proximity to the sun, but because people don't believe in climate change, so. Who knows? Maybe Earth is on track to become the next Venus. Oh. Probably. That's sad. Probably is, I'm I'm gonna say. Luckily, going on a limb here. Luckily we know we're living in a hollow earth, so there is somewhere to go. Okay, that's okay. gonna be problematic for the sound quality. I'm oh. so sorry about what my child just did. Do I need to say that again? At least we know for a fact that Earth is hollow, so we do have somewhere to go once the billionaires all leave. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let them go to Mars. My we'll bitch. just go into the interior uh-huh. core of the planet. You go to Mars. We're starting inner Earth bars. Ayo! Go to Mars to get more candy bars. Why don't you? <laughs> losers, losers. Okay, so now that we got all of the science-y Venus planet talk out of the way, now let's talk about some dudes who claim to have actually met Venusians. Let's do it. So first we have George Adamski. 
And his account is controversial. Actually, controversial. controversial. Actually, him as like a person in the UFO community is somewhat controversial. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's uh, it's got some hot takes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got some hot takes. He, he claimed he had multiple photos of UFOs starting in the 40s, but J. Allen Hynek, who is a prolific UFO researcher and was a consultant to Project Blue Book, says that George is a total phony. And I trust J. Allen Hynek. Because he is truly one of the foremost ufologists in the country. You should trust him. Because I do. Because he I'm, is yeah. also the person who classified UFO close encounters. So, you know, like the first kind, the second kind, etc. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I sort of believe him when he doesn't believe this dude. But I thought it was also worth mentioning, you know, his little account of oh, yeah, what he sure. claims is. He's, he's for fun. He's for fun. So Adamski has chronicled his experiences with aliens in several books. The first one called Flying Saucers Have Landed, which is like $2 on Kindle right now. And I bought it, but I haven't had time to read it yet. You know, oh, that know. thing you do when you buy books. And yeah, you just it's never the book stack that looks at you and judges you, but you never you just never have time, you know. Mm-hmm. One day, one day I will. But in this book, he talks about an encounter with a Venusian man named Orthon who he called a space brother, which nice. is sort of cute, right? I do like that. I like referring to aliens as space brothers. Can we start referring to each other as space brothers? What's up, space brother? Hey, space bro. So in November of 1952, in a remote Californian desert near the town of Desert Center, aptly named, <laughs> George claims he was visited by a man from Venus. But men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Well, I'm just kidding. You guys remember that stupid <laughs> fucking book? Yeah. <laughs> so he claimed he saw a large submarine-shaped object hovering in the sky. What he said was an alien scout ship, as he called it. And he said it was made of translucent metal, and it landed right in front of him. I want to, for one second, just interject here. Okay, a submarine-shaped object. Okay, this is what we're seeing a lot in many, many recent alien UFOs. Yes. Yeah. It's this long, cylindrical little submarine boy. And he is calling this out in 1952, and I think that that is fascinating that's a good call out yeah dude because similar shapes it's yeah. real it's real it's well, all yeah. the government said it was real mm-hmm. yeah the government was like yeah by the way uh we know everyone's locked up in their houses right now but aliens are real yeah. and then they're like so anyways look over there really quick because we're done talking about that <laughs> no they released their classified files and it was basically like yeah aliens are real the end yeah so that's all it was. Whatever. But I just think it's really interesting that he's calling out the same shape yeah, craft that shape. we see constantly now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So out from this submarine tic-tac-shaped craft came Orthon. And out of a yellow submarine came the Beatles. Whoa. <laughs> so he described Orthon as being a medium-height humanoid with tanned skin, wearing reddish-brown shoes, but trousers that were, quote, not like mine. Where did he get those? Coles? I got mine at JCPenney. (laughs) He wrote, The beauty of his form surpassed anything I had ever seen, and the pleasantness of his face freed me of all thought of my personal self. 
I felt like a little child in the presence of one with great wisdom and much love. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Mm. Yes. He said this man's flesh was as soft as a baby's. Happy Pride Month, everyone. With long, sandy, blonde hair. Ooh. That hung in beautiful waves to his shoulders. Oh, my God. Glistening more beautifully than any woman he had ever seen. Happy Pride Month, everybody. So picture, like, Chris Hemsworth with skin as soft as a baby's ass. Oh, my God. Delicious, Is right? it hot in here? I think so. It's like, should we turn the air conditioning I think it, yeah, just went up a couple degrees. <gasps> Orthon communicated to George through telepathy. And hand signals, and he had one main message for George. And it was that Earthlings should stop fooling around with atomic power and bombs, or else they ran the risk of destroying the entire planet. Hmm, okay. So I'm going to say Orthon is onto something here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. beauty yep. and brains. You'll find that that's. It's a theme with Venusians oh. coming here. Mm-hmm. They're all like, listen, you guys should not have nuclear power. You are dumb and you will blow yourselves up. We are so dumb that our <laughs> internet runs on giant undersea cables. Uh, this is this is another rabbit hole we could spiral into. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna put that there. Yeah. That's insane. Do your own. That's how Look dumb we are it's real. as a society, a global society. We can't figure out how to make the internet airborne. It's underwater, man. It's on fucking cables. It's underwater, baby. Anyways, I don't want to get into that right now. Yeah, that's a whole other... Save save it for the... The unscripted. (laughs) The unscripted. So apparently Orthon accentuated this point of, you know, stop fooling around with atomic bombs Mm -hmm. by saying boom, boom in English to, you know, really drive down the point, you know? The noise of explosions. Yes. Adamski. And a noise that the Black Eyed Peas love to say. Boom, boom. Pow. Pow. <laughs> Adamski said Orthon would not allow him to take any pictures of him, but instead asked him to give him a blank photographic plate, which George did. And Orthon apparently returned the photographic plate to George later that year in December of 1952. When George developed the plate... It contained strange new symbols. An associate of George Adamski named George Hunt Williamson also claimed that after Orthon left, they took plaster casts of his shoe imprints and that these shoe imprints also contained mysterious symbols that they thought was maybe a message. It was just like the number six because he was a size six but it was like sideways <laughs> it and was they an alien figure it out in venusian yeah, lettering Ven- venusian six <laughs> but george apparently took a picture of orthon's ship as it left using a telescope which i have added for you in this script for you to see oh thank you and we'll post it on the grid so you you guys can see it as well whoa pretty cool right Can I describe what I'm seeing? Yes, please do. This is a very, very classic Mexican hat style flying saucer. Mm -hmm. We have like the little like space for like a tractor beam happening. It has like the plate. It has like the cupola dome on top with little windows. This is a quintessential UFO. 
like a flying saucer. It's got what even looks like maybe like little three little light bulbs on the oh, bottom 100%. of it. Oh, 100%. They love the rule of threes, don't they? They do. Yeah, this is gorgeous. Wow. Pretty cool, right? Very cool. Well, some skeptics say that it looks like the top of a chicken brooder, which I guess is used for warming newly hatched poultry. And which, from my Googling, mm-hmm. just looks like a heat lamp. It's just a fucking light, dude. Yeah, it's just a light. Like, this doesn't look like a light. It doesn't I, not look like a light. I can see how it resembles it. But it also looks like so who knows? a flying saucer. It does, but it could also just be the top of a light. You know what? What came first? The chicken warmer or the flying saucer? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Keeps me up at night. So it could be. It could not be. Also, it was taken in 1952. So it's very grainy and black and white, and you can't really debunk it because it's taken. Debunkatize me, Cap. Adamski would go on to write a sequel to his first book called Inside the Spaceships, where he described other meetings with more Venusians and also Martians and Saturnians, which are people from Saturn, Mm -hmm. naturally. Yeah, and Philadelphians. And he's like, duh, the meanest ones. (laughs) The worst ones. Don't meet them. I'm not sure why he's so lucky, though, and gets contacted by all of these different aliens, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, meeting one Venusian once is like a it's like, lifetime. Like, yeah, oh, totally. You, it's never going to happen. But apparently, yeah. I don't know, aliens were just coming to him left and right. He made really great spinach artichoke dip. Ooh, and, like, I don't want to, like, put you down as a person right now. Is that why I don't get abducted every time I Maybe ask? You need to you need to up your apps game. Mm, you know, okay. you do. It's like put out a spread and they will come. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I mm-hmm. guess I'll just if try you, to make a, maybe make a, a nice charcuterie board. You, if you build the charcuterie, they will come. Okay. All right. I'll think about that. Adamski claimed that every planet in our solar system was populated with human like aliens. And he also claimed humanoids lived on the dark side of the moon as well. Which also brings me, which I didn't add in here, Yeah. but I was reading, I think it was just a random article yesterday about weird pictures yes. that have been taken and like there's like no explanation. And there were pictures taken of Mars and there mm. are legit pyramids on Mars. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, on the moon. Oh, on the there moon? There were pictures taken on the moon. Oh, I was going to say Mars has some trippy ass no, shit No, yeah. So on. it was pictures of the moon mm-hmm. and they're, they're clearly... Pyramids. Well, aliens built the pyramids, so and NASA just like has never addressed it or like said anything about it. They're like, oh yeah, they just don't acknowledge those are the moon pyramids. But it's like, what's your question? What? They're they're there. So I don't know. Maybe there are people who live on the dark side of the moon. I believe it. Maybe. And also, I'm just gonna say again, it makes total sense that there would be human like aliens, humanoids in our same solar system, right? Because we are humanoid. And why wouldn't they also look very similar to us if we're all living in basically the same uh, type of the same zone, same zip yeah. code, basically? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you think there's cat aliens too? Then oh my god, and dog oh aliens god. probably. And there's probably like so all a bunch of alien oh, animals, alien goldfish, alien animals. Okay. No, I want that. Adorable. I want it. Adorable. Yeah. Why hasn't anyone ever talked about that? I don't know. It's honestly rude. Mm. Yeah. The next Venusian I want to talk about is the reason why I wanted to do the research for Venusians in the first place, because I am so interested in the story, Uh and it's honestly been on my mind for 
probably six months now. Yeah. So peek behind the curtain here. Um, we we write a script and we we do like put out like different topics for like this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna mm-hmm. talk about whatever. And we started writing down like just types spitballing types of aliens. And Nicole pushes me to the ground and puts her fucking foot <laughs> on my throat and yells, "If you even think about this next guy." He's mine. You're going to be in a He's world mine, of pain. Bitch. Mm-hmm. He's mine, bitch. She made me say mine. uncle. It was <laughs> say weird. Say uncle. Say uncle. I did it. I'm like, she you had can, to say it to get out. I, I was mean, like, you so can do it. I don't care. Fucking world. Do what you need to do. Uh, but yeah, just so you guys know, Nicole physically assaulted me mm-hmm. and I did not like it, but I was going to let you do this anyways. Well, you, you don't have to push me anymore. For those of you wondering, this is the story of my one true love. Yeah. One day we will meet and marry. This is the story a valiant Thor. Mm. The Stranger at the Pentagon. That sounds like a romance novel. Well, it is a book. So, Woo! But I mean, it could be a romance novel, you know. Yeah. Valiant Thor. He could be the stranger in my Pentagon. Oh. <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> so if any of you watched the most recent season of American Horror Story, it was the double feature one. And the first one was the shitty one about like the talent pill and the weird Nosferatu vampire things. But the second story was about aliens and President Eisenhower's connection to them. And many people believe that Eisenhower had many interactions with aliens. Oh, yeah. And it all stems from his new look policy, which focused heavily on nuclear weapons. Yeah, the NLP. Eisenhower has a rumored history of being in with the aliens. Oh, yeah. So the story goes that in 1953, astronomers started seeing large objects in outer space. And these large objects were moving towards Earth. And at first, they believed that these things were asteroids hurtling towards planet Earth. Don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, man. And then Ben Affleck pulled the short straw, but then Bruce Willis threw him back in because he wanted his daughter to be happy. Sweet. And that's why we're alive today. I'm going to cry right this now. This is the end of this episode. Bruce Willis is Thank the you. most thoughtful actor it's a great movie. Great movie. It's a very good movie. So they believed that basically Earth was doomed, asteroids were heading for mm-hmm. us, whatever. Mm-hmm. Until Project Sigma, which apparently intercepted an alien radio communication. And we discovered that these objects were not asteroids, that they were, in fact, alien spaceships. Whoa. Pretty freaking cool, right? Do you think that they named the project after they got the radio communication? Or do you think that they, like, just... Do you think that they just, like, named days things? They're like, oh, Hmm. it's a Wednesday, and we don't have anything going on, so we're going to call this Project Sigma, and anything that happens today falls under Project Sigma. Or do you think that they're like, oh, my God, incoming, a radio wave. Let's call it Project Sigma. Maybe Project Sigma was already searching for radio, alien radio waves. okay. And then, like, as soon as they started to get a little bit closer, like, it finally picked it up. Like, I literally want to know know how they name all of these, like, things. If anyone knows, (laughs) honestly, reach out. Yeah, like Project Blue Book. Right. Like, everyone reach out, if you know, to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com because I genuinely would love to know how the government names shit. I bet you it's just random. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just to keep it, like, more They're secret, like, you know? They're uh, like, Project um, Blue 
Oh, oh, there's a blue book. There's a blue book right here. Blue book. Got it. So anyways, these spaceships started to orbit around Earth's equator. And through Project Sigma and then another project called Project Plato, astronomers were able to communicate with these ships. And apparently they were able to arrange for these beings to land on Earth. Hmm. And during this time, another race of aliens who were human-like, so probably Venusians or Nordics, mm-hmm. they contacted the U.S. and they told us to be wary of these beings that were orbiting our planet. Yeah. And they offered to help the human race with mm-hmm. our spiritual development, but they demanded one thing first. Yeah, this was their mistake. They demanded that we dismantle our nuclear weapons. Yeah, we're not, we're, one, there's one thing about America. It's, we need weapons for some reason. Guns. I believe in the three G's. Guns, getting her duns. <laughs> and God. Guns, getting her duns, and God. Yep, that pretty much sums, putting it on a shirt, America, baby. In a nutshell. And honestly, so many men will buy that. Oh, should, they will buy that shirt. Should I make... We're going to make a shell company that is just, like, ludicrous t-shirts like that. That's, like, actually a joke, but people think it's yeah real. But we're going to market it towards people mm. that think that those three Gs are the way to live your life. You're millionaire. You'll be a millionaire. I cannot wait. So these nice guys who offered us help and, you know, on the condition that we dismantle our nuclear weapons, they also stated that they would not share any of their sweet technology with us because they didn't believe that we were evolved enough to handle it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, it's pretty that accurate. Tracks. Yeah, that, that's a good take. Yeah, I, that's I, a good take. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even now in 2022, still not, still not evolved enough to handle it. No. If anything, we've taken a step back. We took a pretty big step back today. Yeah. Today. Mm-hmm. They said that we were spiritually unable to handle such technology and feared that if they gave us more technology, we would just use it to destroy ourselves. Again, great take. <laughs> great mm-hmm. take. And they said that the human race was on a path of self-destruction. And they warned us of exhausting the Earth's resources. Imagine if we listened. Right? Yeah. Right. They feared for us and said we needed to stop all of the war. Mm -hmm. We needed to stop polluting the Earth. Mm -hmm. And that we needed to learn to live in peace and harmony. Can I get an amen? To which Eisenhower was like... Yeah, we're not going to give up our nuclear technology. Also, ago, a fuck yourselves. Dwighty out. See, Eisenhower feared that the aliens were requesting this because they wanted to take over Earth. And if we dismantled our nuclear power, we'd basically be sitting ducks against them. Which, okay, I can kind of see. Think about this logically. These are beings capable of multi-planet travel. Yeah. We run our internet on (laughs) giant cables under the ocean. And the internet didn't even exist at that point, so. Like, come on. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, you can't take our nuclear power away. Mm -mm. Yeah, so he rejected their offer. It's bonk to me. The bonkometer has broken. The bonkometer is 
off the charts. And this is where we tie into the last episode Mm -hmm. with the evil dudes. So instead, he decided to pair up with the Greys. The motherfucking Greys. The Grey aliens. The Grey aliens. Mm -hmm. Because they were the ones Mm -hmm. who had been orbiting around the equator. They were the ones that the good guys had warned us about. Mm Mm-hmm. And these particular greys stated they were from a planet around a red star in the constellation of Orion, Mm -hmm. or what we called Beetlejuice. Do not say that two more times. Nicole, no! (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) You're going to fucking summon Michael Keaton, and that is the last thing we need today. That's actually very true. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. last thing. He's going to come here in his little Beetlejuice outfit, and he's going to start causing trouble. And then he's going to fucking multiplicity, and then there's going to be 15 of them. so many And we are not capable of handling that today. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Wow. Well, apparently, the Greys told Eisenhower that their planet was slowly dying, and that they were aware that the time would come when they wouldn't be able to survive there anymore. Mm -hmm. So they were, like, looking ahead, you know? But it also kind of scares me because then what do you want with us? Like, why wasn't he afraid of this more? He's like, oh, our planet's dying, so we're looking for a new one. Can we stay? Like, we can't help you. We're also killing our planet. Like, there's no room at the inn. And Dwight D. Eisenhower was like, oh, yeah, why don't you just pop over to our planet? Because you are looking Mm -hmm. for a new one, you superior beings in every possible way. But the Venusians are like, look, man, we don't want anything from you. We want you to stop doing one single thing that you just started doing. Mm -hmm. And also, we're going to give you a bunch of shit. We want you to be better people, is basically what they said, and we'll help you to do that. And we don't even want to live in your house. And the Greys are like, can we come in and stay for a while? Well, so they weren't necessarily, the ask wasn't like, we want to stay here. Right. I don't really know what it was. Some people think that they were trying to crossbreed with us. Right. So they could, um, I don't know, develop survive yeah survive and develop the ability to i don't know survive here yeah because remember we talked about last episode they had evolved themselves Mm -hmm. so far in advance of where they were as if they were ever once human like Mm -hmm. um to the point where they are no longer capable of breeding yeah so they need humans they need human bodies diversity yeah to continue their race in general and if their home Mm -hmm. is dying they fucking need us Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they'll decide to take over in a couple of years, or maybe they've moved on because this planet is also, like, pretty dunzo. They're like, oh, Staten Island dump? More like Staten Island Earth. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it can't get worse, much worse than it is currently, so we'll we'll see. Please stop saying that, because it always does. (laughs) But anyways, this is where the Edwards Air Force base meeting comes in. So Eisenhower refused help from the good guys who probably could have saved humanity with spiritual enlightenment. Obviously. He then decided to meet with the other aliens, Mm -hmm. the greys, which we know from Noelle's research are not very good. They're not super nice. They're actually fucking evil for the most part. So. Okay. Well, I will say in defense of the greys, I don't think that they are evil. I think that they are without emotionless yes they are simply completing a task they deem necessary to complete Mm. with no regard for anything's feelings or emotions on that true true they are calculated and they are mechanical and they are without emotion could say is evil 
some could say. But anyways, this meeting had been planned in advance, and the details of the treaty that would later be signed had already been agreed upon before these beings landed and they met face to face. So this is apparently what happened in this meeting. So on February 20th, 1954, Eisenhower was on vacation in Palm Springs, California, and he was having a nice vacation dinner when he was then rushed out to an impromptu appointment. And this is confirmed with the press. They noticed that he was just randomly rushed out of the restaurant and he was no longer present at the resort. And so there were actually rumors uh, circulating around that he had died or that he was rushed to the hospital for like a heart attack or something. Well, because he had to leave so suddenly. And they actually, this was actually reported. So wow. he, we know that this happened. They even reported that he had died from a heart attack. Wow. But then it was obviously later retracted. Mm-hmm. So the next morning... He tells everyone that the reason he left was because he chipped his tooth while he was eating a chicken wing and that he had to leave to go get emergency dental work for his cracked tooth. Okay. Which I mean, sounds kind of fishy, though. Sure. Yeah. If you crack your tooth, do you, like, is that a, really an emergency? Like, if yeah. Have you, you ever cracked a tooth? I have, yeah. And did you think it was an emergency? I mean, I went to the dentist, but I didn't, like, rush out. But what a good excuse. I guess that's true. I guess, okay. Yeah. That's a pretty good excuse. But I mean, I probably would have just like, well, I guess it depends on the crack. It depends on the crack. But it's a good excuse. It's true. So the dentist appeared at an event that evening and confirmed that he was the one who performed the surgery fix on the president. But many believe that it was just a cover story. Yeah, because that's weird that the dentist was like, it's me, a dentist. It's totally me. I did this thing. Right. I touched a president's tooth today. I definitely did that. Like, guys. why are you here, dentist? Go home to your family. <laughs> right. like, it's like 7 p.m. Okay, like, like no one asked. Like you did the work. Great. Bye. <laughs> what are you doing here? So according to conspiracy theorists, instead of an emergency dental fix, Eisenhower was instead transported to the Edwards Air Force Base two hours away from Palm Springs, where he was vacationing, and they believe that he was transported here for a secret meeting with aliens. (laughs) I love it. According to the story, he left for a first contact meeting with these extraterrestrials, the first of many meetings with alien beings. And this particular meeting ended with something called the Griotta Treaty. Like I mentioned before, people believe that Eisenhower met with a whole slew of different alien races about this nuclear power issue leading up to the signing of this treaty. But it's believed that this meeting was the first official contact. This Griotta Treaty? Yeah, so people think that he there was communications mm-hmm. back and forth. Unfortunately, Eisenhower chose to partner up with the Greys on this one. Can you even imagine if we had partnered with the Venusians or the Nordics? Yeah. I bet we wouldn't be living in this hellfire that we call Earth. Um, I mean, uh, on its baseline, it, the Earth wouldn't have reached an additional Celsius degree of global temperature rising. There probably also wouldn't be war in the Ukraine right now. Uh, Flint, so. Michigan would have clean water. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> Women would have rights. Women would have rights. There would be a lot of things that would be different. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, it makes sense why we as humans would also partner with another even a- evil alien race. Because we are evil aliens. Because we're also pretty fucking evil. Yeah. But anyways, basically why people believe that we partnered with the Greys instead of the sexy-ass High Council mm-hmm. was because we wanted to keep our nuclear power capabilities. Yeah. And the Greys were like... Yeah, chill. Like, you know, blow yourselves up and ruin the galaxy. We don't give a fuck. Uh, Yeah, they don't care because it is literally just going to ruin our planet and nothing else. This will stay so self-contained if we blow ourselves up with nuclear energy that nothing in the entire universe will be affected except maybe our moon. Right. So I I mentioned the High Council, which I go into in a little bit more detail um, later on. Sounds hot as hell. I'm the High Council you. basically is Ugh. a group of good aliens. Yeah. And they kind of The look, galactic. Yeah. yeah they big Star Wars energy. They look out for uh-huh. the galaxy. Yeah, and anything energy. that is, you know, humans have nuclear power. That's an issue. That's not great. That's not great. Yeah. Ted keeps eating my lunch. Okay. Are we going to discuss <laughs> that also? Yeah. So they're like the good guys of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they're, people believe they're the ones who are like, we'll help you spiritually. Yeah. We're not going to give you any technology. But yeah. you guys like need to dismantle all your shit. Yeah, totally. Like they have council meetings. Um, They're like next on the agenda. Kevin is really mean. Can we talk about Kevin the Gray and how he's just insulting everyone yeah. all of the time? And they also believe, so the High Council, their whole thing, it wasn't just about us blowing up the planet and ruining the planet mm-hmm. and ruining and ki- like killing off the human race. According to them, if something went wrong with the planet and nuclear power destroyed it, it mm-hmm. would it would be detrimental to the entire galaxy. Maybe because we're like a um, like a rest stop. Maybe I, or because it would it throw off the like alignment of planets? Maybe why would it if our planet was dead? If we a nuclear bomb exploded it, I mean the planet would still remain. Like the Earth's surface would still be here. Yeah, but if we used enough nuclear weapons to like explode, I have no idea. Actually, you know, we need a physicist. If, if we have enough, if there are enough nuclear weapons on planet Earth, which I believe that there are, that all went off at the same time. You don't think that that would like. I don't think it would shift anything in the universe. I'm not sure. Um, If you are a nuclear physicist, or just a (laughs) physicist, or a smart guy, um, please let us know. Guy or girl? Guy in the... uh, If you are an intelligent being. (laughs) In the general sense. (laughs) If you are an intelligent being um, with some sort of physics, preferably nuclear physics background, please reach out to us at quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. We need to know immediately if... If and how many bombs would if make a nuclear bomb a would... really big problem for everyone outside yeah. of Earth? Throw off Earth off its axis yeah. and like alignment. What with would other push planets? this bitch off her chair? Is what we need to know. <laughs> That's a good question. So whereas the Greys were like, yeah, whatever, keep whatever you want, kill yourselves, we don't care, do what you want. Taco Tuesday, we'll be there. The High Council was like, no, we don't trust you with this technology because, listen, you just had two world wars Mm -hmm. within the last century. And you let a man with terrible facial hair and a bad haircut Mm -hmm. almost murder an entire group of people. And your solution to that was, let's bomb innocent children. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, we don't think that this power is in good hands. And, of course, the U.S. being the U.S., Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we'll keep our bombs. Mm-hmm. We'll side with the evil dudes because they don't care. No, no. 
their biggest beef was like, why would you let him make his mustache so small? Did mm-hmm. you not see the warning signs? That's a red flag. That's a right. red flag. Right. So America signed with the Greys, but there were terms. The treaty stated that the aliens would not meddle in our affairs and we would not interfere in theirs. The agreement was that the Greys would let the U.S. in on their advanced technology, you know, their cool weapons and stuff, if and only if they could abduct humans for their own purposes to experiment on us. I.e. breeding. Breeding, monitor our development, and also maybe create an alien-human hybrid? I don't know. Tall life. All of those things. Yeah. Literally no one knows. Yeah. They also gave them the script for the love guru. Mm. And they're like, you're going to need this in 55 years. One day you will Please hold on to this. (laughs) They knew. There will be a messiah named Mike Myers. He just knew. (laughs) But yeah, no one knows. Everything is possible. But the Greys agreed that they would return the humans and that the abducted humans would not be harmed at all. Because PTSD does not count as no. physical harm. We're going to wipe their memories. It's fine. They don't need They'll it. never remember. Like, hypnosis? Now. And so Eisenhower was like, sure. And his only condition was that the Grey aliens report back the names of the people they abducted. To a committee that Eisenhower created called the Majestic 12. I love this. I freaking love the Majestic 12. I love it. And their job was to oversee any activities that involved aliens, basically. Yes. I just had a thought. What if there was like a cool alien? He's like, I put the hip in hypnosis, baby. <laughs> He's the guy that like wipes everyone's memories. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm Ron, and I put the hip in hypnosis. He definitely is wearing a drug rug, too. 100%. His his hair is long and unkempt. Yeah. Yes. He's a Fu Manchu. Mm, Oh, totally. But unlike Project Blue Book, the Majestic 12 has never been confirmed by the U.S. government. And some ufologists believe that it's true, and some believe that it's a hoax. But I say, why the hell can't it be possible? It's 100% real. They had Project Blue Book, which they admitted to, so why not have the Majestic 12? There are so many little little government funsy programs that they have out there that we do not know about and will not ever know about. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say, they're probably all fucking real. Yeah. Everything and something is real. leaked. Everything is real and nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. And this all probably sounds totally insane to our more skeptical listeners, but think about it for one second. When it came to developing technology in the Cold War, we were on top. Mm -hmm. And the 50s and the 60s were ripe Mm -hmm. with alien abduction stories. Kind of when it hit hard. And UFO sightings. Mm -hmm. Betty and Barney Hill, which we also covered, Mm -hmm. happened in 1961. Mm. Anyways, I could go on forever about the government and its secret meetings and partnerships with aliens. Underground bunkers were also apparently built to house aliens. Dude, the government loves an underground bunker. Yeah. It's like... Come on, man. We know. They're in the mountains. They're, they're under in, the Denver airport. Yeah. They're like, they're everywhere. They're freaking we ev- get they're under the ocean. There is this <laughs> thing. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to just start saying words, and this is going to be, someone's going to shout at the radio right now. 
The government was building in the Appalachian Mountains. This is a total mm-hmm. sidebar here. They were building an underground bunker that would house everyone in like the US government in like the DC. important people in DC. Mm-hmm. It could house it was like this camp. I don't remember what it was called. Um and it's inside the Appalachian Mountains, like three hundred feet or miles or some fucking uh-huh. insane thing probably feet not miles um <laughs> like underground and it was able to withstand nuclear bat like blasts like direct yeah. nuclear blasts and mm-hmm. it would hold every fucking member of congress the president fucking everybody for i think it was three years it was capable of housing these people really? and every time like a new congressman would come in they would get assigned a bunk and like their families were assigned bunked and it was like this whole fucking thing and they actually built it it is 100 percent completed and they never fucking used it because one construction worker was like, hey, you know what I'm building over here? It's an underground bunker. But they still have it, though. Yeah, you can take tours of it now. Okay, so they just built another one then. Well, they 100% did that. Yeah. But the government but is constantly spending. It's it's 100% there. And you can visit it? You can take tours of this place. What? Yeah, it's What's in the it Appalachian called? Mountains. I don't know. I can't think of it. Um, I can't think of what it's called, but it yeah. is 100% real. And honestly, we should do an underground bunker episode because I yeah. fucking love, I'm a, I'm a bunkaholic, man, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, the government yeah. loves a fucking bunker, well, dude. It, exactly. They got a plan for everything. They love a silo. They love a bunker. Yeah. They love anything hidden or perceived yeah. to be hidden that we all clearly know about of course yeah anyways i just I, i'm fucking bonkers about bunkers bonkers about bunkers yeah so for the sake of this episode and it not being 87 hours <laughs> long of just us ranting about aliens mm-hmm. and the secrets of our government the bunks let's stop there because we have to talk about my boy valiant thor oh, yeah, yeah. who is a total babe mm-hmm. and who even was given an apartment in the Pentagon. So his story goes like this. Around 8 a.m. on March 16, 1957, a spaceship landed outside of Washington, D.C. in Alexandria, Virginia, in a crop field about 20 minutes away from the White House. Someone spotted the metallic flying saucer, and they called the police. ACAB. So two policemen arrived on the scene, and as the door opened on the craft, they drew their weapons, preparing for the worst. But what emerged was not your typical bug-eyed, gray-looking alien. Right. Not the alien that they have been told to fear. Yes. Instead, a normal-looking man comes out of the craft, and he's about six feet tall with sexy brown hair Mm -hmm. and luscious brown eyes, wearing what looks like a very tight gold spandex jumpsuit with absolutely no seams. Okay, so it's going to fit his body. It's tight and hard. Oh. It's very tight and hard. Yeah, tell us more about how Valiant (laughs) Thor is tight and hard. So he is fit. Capital F. F Uh F-I-T. Like a body chiseled by the gods themselves. Is there a reason they called him Thor? Obviously. (laughs) I mean, you would have to have the confidence to wear a gold skin-tight bodysuit that Mm -hmm. looks as as if it were just, like, painted on you. You would have to be, like, super fit to have that confidence. The confidence. You know? Um, What if it was painted on? Mm -hmm. What's up, Thor? Sorry. I'm going (laughs) to objectify uh, Val, as we'll learn that he is called. I'm going to objectify Val this entire episode. So, Val, if you're listening... 
Come find me, baby. Our girl's single. Let's go. <laughs> For all intents and purposes, Val looked human, except he had six fingers on each hand and claimed he could live for 500 years. It's my type of man. Valiant Thor approached the police officers, who still have their weapons drawn, and he approaches them in a calm and a peaceful manner, and he's smiling and he's waving at them, and he tells them that he comes in peace, and he does not wish to harm them, and he also says that he needs them to take him directly to President Eisenhower because he's got a message. But he does not speak this. Instead, he relays this message to the officers telepathically. And the police officers are like, chill, chill. You know, you're an alien from a different planet. You're speaking to us with your mind. And you want us to take you to the president of the United States. Yeah, sure. No problem. We can do that. If you did that today, they would shoot you. Well, yeah. So some people think that maybe Valiant Thor had uh-huh. some sort of, like, manipulation. Like a little, like, low-key like, mind control Yeah, moment. some mind control. Because uh-huh. like I feel like a euphoric feeling maybe entered their brains. Even back mm-hmm. in the day, if some man comes up to you and it's like, I demand you take me to the president. See these biceps? Gonna need to see your president. Well, you know what? They are very, very tight and hard, so. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> so... Through whatever mind control that he was probably using on the, on them, they take him to the Pentagon to meet with President Eisenhower, where they are met by the Secretary of Defense, who also has six armed guards who lead this alien stranger to an elevator that goes down into the ground and into a basement of the Pentagon, where they lead him to a secret underground train. Yeah, there's, like, trains and tunnels, like, all under... We all know that. Under the government buildings. And this, That's, like, an actual thing we know. We we don't know that. It's not confirmed. There's tunnels. Remember the January 6th thing? They, like, led them through tunnels. Oh, yeah, but so the, the, but from the Pentagon to the White House. It's oh, never okay, been confirmed. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. It's probably still... Sure, sure, sure. totally yeah. exists. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. like, the government has never been like, yeah, we have this secret, you know? Right. So the secret underground train apparently connects the Pentagon to the White House. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's never been confirmed. It's not public knowledge, but honestly, it makes sense that it would be there. Oh, yeah, like tracks. Get it? Train joke. (laughs) Oh, but um, so Val, as we will learn, becomes his nickname. So Val and these six armed guards travel to this through the secret underground train to the White House, where he is then taken to the Oval Office to meet with Eisenhower. And apparently when he gets there, Eisenhower is all like, oh my god, what is up? You're an alien. Like, how fucking cool. Like, he's been meeting with aliens up until this point. So he's not surprised. He's like, do you know Ted? Because he keeps eating my fucking lunch. Fucking Ted, man. (laughs) So Val tells Eisenhower that he is from the planet our Bible calls the Morning Star, which is Venus. Mm Mm-hmm. And Eisenhower is excited, but he's also like, okay, well, prove it, bitch. Mm -hmm. And Val's like, dude, I literally just came here on a spaceship. Like, just go to the spot where I landed. I don't understand. Yeah. And Eisenhower is like, well, I'd love to, but um, I'm the president and I can't just leave the White House all willy-nilly. But then Vice President Richard Nixon comes in. Mm -hmm. And he comes in the room and he's, like, acting all cool. And he's like, oh, 
so you're like an alien like what's up bro mm -hmm. it's and a he, really good nixon you're yeah, nailing it yeah i know it's, it's I'm, I'm just trying <laughs> he actually says to valiant thor you have certainly caused a stir for an out-of-towner so they're like joking with him and like boys will be boys <laughs> right like this guy yeah. so clearly like Everyone knows aliens exist. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like nobody cares. They're not anything. surprised. Yeah. They're not surprised at all. But remember, Val came here to give a message. And he tells these old white men that he has come to planet Earth as a representative of something called the High Council. Which we mentioned earlier, but he explains it's like a committee of aliens from all different planets who have the universe's best interests in mind. And they are basically like the intergalactic good guys. Mm -hmm. And basically, they are all evolved beings whose job it is is to look out for lesser beings in the universe, a.k.a. the humans. Yeah, like they're like our big brother, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. And he tells Eisenhower that his race of aliens live and dwell underground which is why he's so hot so so hot yeah and he actually says in fact many planets and races of aliens live in the same way and he tells eisenhower that other aliens will land around the world and help humans to aid earth's progress yeah he's like you see his biceps i can lift any boulder you want me to you mm. just let me know yeah he can he explains that he was sent to earth to meet with the planet's top military leaders to convince them to deactivate their nuclear bombs. It worked with France. They're like, we don't care. Yeah. Basically, humans are humans, and we suck, like, so hard. Oh, my God, so hard. And we're not perfect people, and we're corrupt and yeah. evil, oh, and yeah. a lot of us only care about ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, we should not have the power to destroy full-on planets. No, yeah, we're not good. Yeah, he tells everyone that a nuclear war would not just be detrimental to planet Earth, but it could also affect the entire galaxy and other planets. Right. Which, I mean, we were just discussing. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to me, but yeah. if you're a smart, smart person, let us know. I mean, I don't know. The only thing I feel like makes... I don't know physics, okay? <laughs> you're not a nuclear scientist. I'm not a nuclear scientist, all right? But I feel like we're probably like like I said, like a stop along the way, because if we have water, we have vegetation, we have people to uh, abduct or eat or whatever the fuck. Um, Alf, Alf eats a bunch of cats. We're a cat laden planet. Mm. Like E.T.'s here. We've got you... three of them in this house. Extraterrestrial, the extraterrestrial came here. E.T. E loves Reese's Pieces. <laughs> He's here. Like we have like a lot of things I feel like is, that's beneficial. Yeah. Fuel, food, whatever. Yeah. So... Eisenhower really doesn't want to do this, but he agrees to let Val stay. And, you know, he's like, maybe we can work something out. Like, we already signed this treaty with the Grace. So Val gets this sweet-ass apartment in the Pentagon, and he becomes somewhat of an advisor to the U.S. government. Okay, cool. He partners with scientists and the military, and he helps them with medical research and developing military weapons and even space research. See, Val has an IQ over 200 points, so he's a genius. Wow. Brains and beauty, this one. Wow. And I couldn't even get through the Mensa practice test. The perfect man, if you will. 
Some could say. So they study his craft and that he came on and also his sexy little gold suit. Mm-hmm. And they figure out that the suit is in impenetrable. Absolutely nothing can affect this fabric. And Val actually has some alien friends that he brought with him named Don with two N's. Of course, it has to be slightly different. <laughs> to Nia. Okay. And Jill. Uh-huh. Of which there is a picture of... The three of them. And yes, they're all hot. Obviously. And he brings them to a UFO convention in Highbridge, New Jersey. Where all the good conventions are. (laughs) And they apparently were out there like, yeah, we're aliens. We can speak any language on your planet. They're like basically doing party tricks for these people. Mm -hmm. Like, name a language and I'll speak it. And they're like, "Ah, Portuguese. And they're like, then they speak Portuguese. Yeah. It's crazy. And so... A man named August Roberts snaps a picture of these aliens, and he's like, this is a cool story. Like, I don't know if these people are being Mm. truthful, if they're aliens or not, but, like, I'm going to take a picture of them. So he takes a picture. I would, too, dude. Right. Yeah, so cool. And August was friends with a man named Frank Stranges. Great name. Dr. Frank Stranges. Great, great name. And he was a self-proclaimed UFO expert a private investigator, and an evangelical Christian minister who claimed to have degrees in psychology, criminology, and theology. Right. So are they real or honorary? He claimed it? I don't know. I could call myself Dr. Stranges. (laughs) So Frank gets a call from his friend August Roberts. And August is like, man, you've got to see this. I'm at a convention, and there are actual aliens, and they can speak any language you ask, and I even took a picture. So August shows Frank the picture, and he's like, this is cool and all, and I totally believe in aliens, but this picture just looks like normal people. You know, there's there's really nothing weird about them, except the fact that they're all exceptionally beautiful. Right. I'm sorry. There are three exceptionally beautiful people in New, <laughs> in Jersey, New Jersey. And he's like, no, it doesn't seem weird. Mm, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know if those are aliens or Come not. Come on, man. <laughs> but Frank is a believer, so he keeps a copy of the picture just in case. And about a year later, in December of 1959, Frank goes on a book tour to promote his new book. And he visits churches all over the U.S. promoting the same message. That aliens are a huge part of the Bible and a huge part of religion as we know it. I am positive all organized religions absolutely loved this. They were all like, yeah, for sure. God's not real. Aliens are. Come in here. He believed that aliens and UFOs are angels who have been sent to Earth to help mankind. He believed that there are UFOs in the Bible, specifically in the book of Ezekiel. E.T. Ezekiel? E.T. Ezekiel, when it describes a wheel within a wheel seen hovering over the land. I love um, biblically accurate angels where they have like 10,000 eyes and they're like, mm-hmm. be not afraid. And they're horrifying. It's like, oh. Yeah, 100%. And I <laughs> would be 100% terrified of them. And they were probably. Yeah. Aliens. Probably. He does not believe that we should fear aliens. Instead, he believes we should worship them, almost, and welcome them into our lives. And in his presentation that he's giving through his book tour, 
he shows a picture of Valiant Thor and his friends. And after this presentation, a woman approaches Frank and she shows him her badge. And she works for the Pentagon. Oh, scary. She wants to have a talk with Frank. So she asks Frank if he would like to meet Valiant Thor. And Frank is like, uh, hell yeah. Yeah. Because, like, he's hot. Yeah, obviously. And, like, he's an alien. And, like, what a cool dude. But most importantly, he's... No, I'm just kidding. Most importantly, he's an alien. But he's a hot alien. He's a honey with a money. So the woman, whose name is Nancy Warren, tells Frank to meet her outside of his hotel at 8 a.m. the next morning. And then she will take him to meet Val. So the next morning, Nancy rolls up, she picks up Frank, and the two of them drive to the Pentagon, where they enter through a secret back door, where no one questions them at all. This is terrifying. And Nancy leads Frank to this unmarked door within the Pentagon. Okay. And Frank walks in the room, and he sees three men doing some paperwork. TPS reports. Off to the side. But then... The heavens descend, and he spots the gorgeous, gorgeous Valiant Thor. And he's, like, laying on a bearskin rug in eating front of... Eating grapes. <laughs> eating grapes in front of a fireplace. Yes, exactly. And Val tells Frank that he's been watching him, and that the reason they brought him here to meet him is that he has been looking for someone who believes in aliens and who also heavily believes in Christianity. That is kind of like a juxtaposition there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says he has come to Earth to begin a new era of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding for our planet. Frank says Val's purpose was to help mankind return to the Lord and bring them closer to God. He tells Frank that Jesus was actually an alien. And Frank is like, yes, I knew it all along. So Val continues, and he tells Frank that God is basically just not happy with mankind. But he says that there is still hope for us. He just needs he just needs Frank's help. Do you think that he's using characters from the Bible, um, fictional characters from the Bible, to um, like tell a story, like a true story, in a way that Frank will understand? He's like, yes, God, but God is like the mm-hmm. Galactic Alliance. I think so. Obviously, we've talked about this before. I'm not a we're not believers in the Bible. Mm. I think that. He's using the Bible because, Uh I mean, the Bible is all about, like, doing good, being good. Uh If you do this, you will go to heaven. If you're bad, you will go to hell. Right. I believe that he's trying to use the Bible as a tool to help mankind because you know how we're, like, at this point blowing people up. And I think is yeah, he's basically using it as, like, a tool to speak In terms that he understands. Yeah. Well, to speak to people, to be like, hey, listen, you guys got to be nicer. You have to help each other. Like, this is what Jesus wanted. Like, Mm -hmm. you guys know Jesus. You love him. You worship him. Big Jesus enthusiast, we know. And, like, but I'm saying, like, he's using God. Like, God is not happy with mankind. Mm -hmm. But God isn't real. And God is actually this council. And he's, like, the overseer of everything. Possibly. This is who's mad at you. Right. It's God. Exactly. Because you can't, you you can't go. It's not like he could come on Earth and be like, hey, listen, I'm an alien. Yeah. You, like, aliens exist. Mm-hmm. You guys need to start being nice to each other. You need right. to, like, help out, help thy neighbor. 
Like you can't say that to people. But if you're like, listen, God wants this. Oh, yeah. God wants you Mm. to be nice. God wants you to love. It's like gaslighting for good. (laughs) Gaslighting for God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. G for G. G for G. So, yeah, that's what I think he's trying to like get that message across. It's like everyone just needs to hold hands and kumbaya, Mm -hmm. you know. So Val says that he needs Frank to help relay a message. And basically he's asking him to sort of be a disciple to tell mankind that they can return to the Lord. And if he does this, Val will unlock the secrets of the universe to Frank, which sounds pretty cool. I would cry with joy. I would be like, yes, I accept. Yes, 100%, sir. Anything you want me to do. Val also tells Frank that there are planets that we don't know about where there is life and various races of aliens. He tells Frank personal things about himself, stuff that only Frank knows. So, like, remember that one time when you were in class and you accidentally shit your pants and then the whole class laughed at you? And Frank's like, no one knows about that. Except everyone in my class. Yeah. So he's, like, telling stuff, like, to try to prove to Frank, you know, that he's, like, he is who he says he is. Yeah. So Val tells him that he has to keep his existence a secret. And that there are only a few people in Washington who actually even know he exists. He says that people who do know about him just brushed off his message from God and that they just had no interest in helping him, which is why he needed to reach out to Frank. Mm. Val tells Frank that his mission from the High Council is to stay on planet Earth until March 16th of 1960. And he says, my time's running out. He says the president has tried to get this message across to the people, but the CIA and the government have been preventing him from doing so. The president did no such thing. Right. He was like, we already have a contract. Um, He's like, yeah, sure. Maybe I'll pass that on. I'll just forward this email. Right. But also, like, the government and the CIA, I also do believe that they would probably want to keep us all stupid and, like, obedient. So, you know, easily. That makes sense. 100%. Val says that they are preventing the spread of this message because if the population knew about Valiant Thor and his message from God, they would choose to follow Val. And they would no longer care about the government. And then the government would therefore have no power over the U.S. population. And they, the CIA was like, that would just cause chaos. So we can't let anyone know that, like, you're tight with God and, like, God's real. Otherwise, we're going to lose control, basically. Cause chaos. That's a weird way to say foster peace and brotherly love. Right. <laughs> and I mean, okay, tell people that there is an alien If you tell people that there's an alien, it'll probably cause a big stir. Sure. But he was coming with a message from God and could prove he was actually an alien. I feel like people would do anything he said. You would think so. Um, You would think so. But it's also the 60s and people are more close-minded as a whole, I think. Um, Close-minded in the 60s? I would think so because... Think about, I know you think of, like, 60s as, like, drug culture and, like, Woodstock and, like, all the cool stuff. Like, yeah, it was a bunch of, it was, like, a revolution. 
a small percentage of the population was. Right, but a percentage that was never really there before. Well, that's true. But I think that now we're exposed to so many more things, like, mm-hmm. as, like, a global society, that we would, in a way, be more willing to to buy into all of this. Right. I think, yeah, I think that's true. I think it would absolutely cause chaos. In the 60s, it would 100,000% would cause mass chaos. I, it would cause chaos now. Oh, yeah. Like, it would in, just always cause chaos. In if a you way, were like, aliens are real, there's this guy here, he's saying God is real, and he wants everyone re- to return to God. Like, everyone would that flip is their shit. exactly what cult leaders say every day, and yet people <laughs> follow them. Yeah. So I and think, their shit is flipped. Oh, it, yeah, their shit is totally flipped. <laughs> so dude. flipped. Yeah. So since Val's time is running out, he asks Frank to continue his work of trying to spread this message once he has to leave the planet. And he warns Frank that it's going to be difficult. But Frank doesn't care, and he agrees to help Val. That's so nice. So some time passes, and Val's three years on Earth have run out. And in his final meeting with Eisenhower, Val is not able to get through to the president. So on March 16th, 1960, Val returns to his craft, and he goes back to the High Council. Has the craft been sitting in this cornfield the entire time? <laughs> you know, I'm I'm actually not sure, but I'm going to say they probably put it somewhere. Okay. It's just been chilling there. They, like, put, like, stacks of hay on it to try to, like, like hide it from it. the public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they probably, like, parked Mirrors it. Mirrors facing outwards <laughs> so, like, you can't it. see it. They just put a giant tarp over it. Yeah. No one will notice One this. of those hide rock key things, <laughs> but like a giant one. A hide rock key. <laughs> hide a key rock? I don't know. It's hide a rock. UFO rock. <laughs> yeah. It's a boulder. So now that Val is gone, everything is on Frank's shoulders. And in November of 1967, Frank is speaking at a convention in Germany. And this is seven years after Valiant Thor has left the planet. But Frank is still out there trying to spread the good word, basically just really trying to drive home that Jesus was, in fact, an alien and that we have to stop bombing each other. We have to be peace. We need peace amongst us. It's a good message. It is. It's an amazing message. Have you heard the good word? Jesus is an alien. bombing people. (laughs) And it sounds insane, and most people think he is, but some people actually believe him, and after the convention, Frank is asked for an interview with an Italian magazine. So they meet at a restaurant, and Frank orders soup. And they set up a tape recorder, and they start questioning Frank all about his interactions with Valiant Thor. Okay, in a menacing way? These men are described as intimidating, and they're, like, aggressively asking questions about Valiant Thor. What do you think of your soup? <laughs> My mama made it. You told me it's bad. I dig you. I dig you to tell me that soup is bad. I like how that accent was, like, what? authentic Italy combined uh, with, like, Jersey Italy. Every Italian I know is from New Jersey. That's a fact. Well, I don't... I think That's these the ones are actually from Italy. No. um, You don't but, understand. New Jersey is the motherland. <laughs> the motherland. You all think, you all think the Vatican is true Mm-mm. Italy. Nope. Have you been to the shore in the, June? The shore is the Vatican in New Jersey. <laughs> That's the American Vatican. That's all I'm saying. So Frank feels a bit ambushed, but then the waitress comes over and she tells Frank that he has a phone call. So he's like, "Whew, okay." He gets up. 
He takes the call, but when he comes back, the men are gone. Okay. And so is their food, almost like they were never there in the first place. Sure. So everything's kind of cleared. Frank's soup, however, is still there. And Frank's a big soup guy. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can't let this good bowl of soup go to waste. Okay. So he resumes eating it. Sure. And after the first bite, Frank tastes like a gritty, out-of-place texture. And all of the sudden, Mm -hmm. he just experiences pain. And Frank's like, shit. I've been poisoned. Oh, my God. It's pretty clear. They roofied Frank's soup? They poisoned his soup. He got soupied. And he's... He got soupied. And he's pissed because he really wanted to finish that soup. He's like, his mom did make a good soup. It was minestrone. It's his favorite. He had a good bowl of minestrone in front of him. Minestrone. This is when Frank's interpreter comes rushing to the table to help Frank because he notices he's, like, holding his stomach, like, Mm -hmm. ah, I've been poisoned. But first he's like, let me take a bite of this delicious-looking soup. (laughs) Let me take one more bite. It was so good. Oh, Frank, no. The poison's still there. (laughs) So his interpreter comes running up. He was just sitting at a nearby table. And he brings Frank back to the hotel. And at this point, Frank is in bad shape. He's clearly been poisoned. He took another two bites after the first one because the soup was honestly just so delicious. The interpreter had to slap it out of his <laughs> he had hand. To slap it on the ground because Frank just could not stop himself. So Frank's back at, at the hotel and he's he's dying and he's coughing up blood. So Frank's interpreter pulls out this, like, vial of powder. Oh, sure. And he stirs it in a glass of water, Mm -hmm. and he tells Frank to drink it. Okay. And Frank's like, well, it's not soup, but I guess I'll drink it. (laughs) Room temperature water and not a hot soup? It's not minestrone, but... You couldn't have put this in some broth? I mean... He's a soup purist. Yeah. So Frank drinks it, and he passes out. And when he wakes up... Everything is back to normal. No more bloody coughs. No more stomach pain. Frank is cured. And he asks his interpreter what he gave him and how he knew that it would help him. And his interpreter says he has no idea what it was. He says before the trip, he got an anonymous call and that this person told him to take this powder from his medical lab because his interpreter was also a medical student. Of course. So they tell him to take this powder out of the the medical lab, and the only thing they say is that uh, you would need it for the meeting. You know what this is reminding me of? Hmm. Which is not similar in any way. (laughs) What? Water boy. Like his Uh interpreter... Okay. His interpreter is like Bobby Boucher and he's got his little vial of Niagara water and he's like, (laughs) he gives him this little vial of powder and saves his life. Not unlike our Lord and Savior, Bobby Boucher, when he uses his Niagara water to replenish the hydration of someone in need. Mm. True. True, true. That is all. It's just, I'm so sorry. The entire time I was picturing this, I was picturing (laughs) Bobby Boucher doing this. So I'm sorry. Mom says, says the CIA is the devil. (laughs) She's not wrong. So after this little conversation, Frank's like, what the hell? And then the hotel room phone rings. Mm -hmm. And it's Valiant Thor. And he's like, Frank, I told you to be careful. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck, Frank? 
the soup, like, come on. Next, like, maybe don't eat the soup next time. And the, the two bites after the first one, come on, Frank. So he also warns him that he needs to be more cautious while he's out on the road. Right, because he just got fucking poisoned. Bro, he just got poisoned. He almost died. And if Bobby Boucher wasn't there to save him, who knows what would have happened. Honestly. So Val tells Frank, be more careful on the road and I will see you soon. Seven months later, Val calls Frank again. And he tells him to fly to San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. It means a whale's vagina. Mm, yes, we all know that. So he says, Frank, fly to San Diego right away. And Frank arrives, and Val is just casually at the airport. And then the two drive to San Felipe, Mexico. And they get on a boat, and they drive for some time until they see a giant flying saucer. So they, they drive to the water, and the, fl- the mm-hmm. flying saucer is just floating right on the water. Right. And Val and Frank enter the spaceship, but before he can fully enter, Frank is told to remove all of his clothes, and then he's then sterilized. Right, and they put on right said Fred, and it's like, I'm too sexy for my <laughs> shirt. And he's like, do I have do I have to undress to this song? And they're like, it's the, it's the sterilization song. Yes, it's you do. That's how this works. That's right? you have to do. That's how it works. So yeah, so picture in movies, you know, when they sterilize people and they go into that chamber and mm. then they get sprayed with stuff. It's mm. kind of like that. They confiscated his soup. <laughs> they're like, there's absolutely no soup allowed on. This is... He's got like cans of Campbell's in his jacket. And they're, they're like, how are you going to eat that, man? There's no gravity in space. Like, we don't even have a can opener on opener on the ship frank like come if i on. was there with my robot hand i would have come in <laughs> handy exactly full circle full circle bringing it back <laughs> so frank is then given a jumpsuit to wear and then val brings him to a buffet and there is all types of exotic food and drinks no soup of course because like, we've already established this is a no soup what no soup <laughs> spaceship i'm we gonna have a salad before my main come on so val gives frank a tour of the ship And it is freaking huge. Frank describes it as having everything and anything you would ever need. There's a library. There's an auditorium. It didn't say so, but I'm guessing there's probably a pool. Oh, yeah. There's also an underwater pool table in the pool. There's a movie theater, probably, you know. With, like, the good butter, like, movie theater butter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he brings Frank to this giant screen. The movie theater. Well, actually, kind of, but it's a giant screen, and he tells him that they can watch anything they want. Love Guru. Uh, Love Guru didn't exist yet. Yet. <laughs> but <laughs> but yes, if it, were, if it were a tall white, Love Guru would have been the, the pick. But So he says, you, we can watch whatever we want. Like, literally, they can tune in to anything happening anywhere at any time. Wow. So on this particular day, it is June 5th, 1968. The day Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. So Val tunes in. He tunes into the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California, where Bobby is giving his speech. And Frank says that Bobby Kennedy was one of the few politicians that Val had a relationship with. He trusted Bobby. And since Val could also tell the future, Bobby had asked Val about the future of his political career. 
like before the speech. Val told him that he would make a great president, but he said he would make a great president in four years. He warned Bobby that right now was not the right time. He basically begged him to cool off from his presidential campaign, but Bobby clearly did not listen. And then what happened? Val, Frank, and the crew members of the ship watched on this screen as Bobby finishes his speech, walked off the stage, and is immediately assassinated. And Frank is shocked, but everyone else pretty much saw it coming. And one member of the crew even says, If only he had listened to you, Val. That's what aliens sound like. <laughs> and then they exchanged $5 bills because they all had a bet going. And then they had high, high fives all around. So throughout the years, Frank and Val continue to meet. And a few years later, Val calls Frank up and asks him to meet him in Las Vegas. And when Frank arrives, he sees two tall men in black suits who seem to be waiting for him or seem to be waiting for something. Jesus Christ, Frank. I don't know what's going to happen yep. next. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's where we're going. Sure. It's where we're fucking sure. going right now. So Frank clearly has not learned a single damn thing and just believes that they're there on behalf of Valiant Thor. So he goes with them. And he's like, you guys know any good soup joints around here? <laughs> And they bring him to the middle of the desert, and then they just start beating him to death. Just, like, kicking the shit out of him. Like, full, like, office space. Yeah. Like, Uh he is the copier, and they are... Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton. (laughs) So they're beating him, and then all of a sudden, a white Cadillac pulls up. Oh, Cadillac side note. I saw white Cadillac on the highway yesterday with giant longhorn horns on the front of the hood. What? And I did not take a picture because I was driving, but it was gorgeous. And that's what this Cadillac looked like. I promise. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> everyone pictured that Cadillac in your brain right now. <laughs> the Cadillac only I saw. <laughs> so that's the Cadillac that pulls up and then two men pop out and they start to fight off these men in black. And it's not clear whether they were actually the men in black or just people, I don't know, working for the government. But whoever they were, they were straight up trying to kill Frank. So the white Cadillac people fight off the men in black and Frank lives to see another day. Until 1985, when Frank's life is threatened for a third time. Third time's a charm, Third time's a charm. When Frank and his new wife are coming back from their honeymoon from the Hoover Dam. So romantic. It's romantic. So they're driving back from the Hoover Dam, and a car starts chasing them, and it runs them off the road, and they end up crashing their car, and both of them are rushed to the hospital. Frank's wife is okay, but Frank is left paralyzed from the neck down. And he's super sad about it, but he's like, now, now they have to feed me soup. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's like, um, what's the soup of the day? Silver lining. (laughs) Chicken and rice? Okay. All right. Doctors discovered that Frank's neck had been broken in the crash, and they're not sure if So he's paralyzed from the neck down. Right. And they're not sure if this paralysis will be permanent or not. They just don't know. But right now, he can't move at all. And then in comes Frank's knight in shining armor. Gold latex armor. Gold latex armor. Valiant Thor. 
he comes to the rescue once again. And he shows up to the hospital and he heals Frank with just a touch of his hand. And Frank describes that a warm, tingling sensation just emerged throughout his body. Mm. And then, oh yeah, mm. that's oh, yeah. right. Oh yeah. And then after that, Frank is able to walk again. And doctors are shocked by how quick a recovery Frank has made. And he's released from the hospital on a clean bill of health after lunch. Yeah. Frank was like, oh, I think, I don't know, this one toe, I can't, I think it's still a little bit paralyzed. I'm going to need to see what the soup menu is for today first. Broccoli cheddar, I am suddenly feeling very sick. <laughs> oh, that's the whole foot now. I can't move it. I can't move it. <laughs> so Frank and Val continue their relationship and supposedly even write a book together called Outwitting Tomorrow, colon, Secrets for Living from the Great Pyramid. So yeah, I'll just add that as another book that I must buy and then never read. Who has the time? Who has the time? Nobody has the time. Nobody. Frank also wrote the famous book, Stranger at the Pentagon, which is all about Valiant Thor, which is another one I must buy and complain about how I never have time to read. That one's a romance novel, though, so you should read that one. <laughs> I know. Uh, young adult yes. <laughs> romance novel. According to Frank, Val comes and goes all of the time. I bet he does. Oh, yeah, he does. He stays in an invisible ship parked outside of Las Vegas in the desert called Victor One. And Frank says that ships like these are all over Earth. Oh, that's super fun. But we don't know because they're invisible. Well, the name Victor One makes us assume that there are multiple Victors There's a Victor also. Two. And At maybe least. a three. Possibly. So, yeah. He claims these invisible ships are just hovering and parked all over Earth. And basically, their job is to keep tabs on mankind. Tracks. Dr. Frank Stranges passed away November 17th, 2008. But his stories never wavered. The story of Valiant Thor isn't just Frank's story. In fact, several others have come out and stated that Val was, in fact, a stranger at the Pentagon. Dr. Harley Bird... That is such a cool name. ...also confirms Val's existence. Dr. Harley Bird worked for Project Blue Book, as we know was the Air Force's UFO research group that the government confirmed was a thing. It's real. And being a part of Project Blue Book, Dr. Bird had access to all kinds of confidential documents, and he confirmed that he had come across documents that mentioned the name Valiant Thor. I like that. Is his name, is his first name Valiant, last name Thor, or is he Thor and he's using a descriptor word in front of it? I believe his first name is Valiant and his last name is Thor. That's so dope. And because, I mean, they called him Val for short. So, That's so dope. You know? Former Canadian Minister of National Defense, Paul Hellier, which, hey, Hellier, has also confirmed Val's existence. He confirmed that top leaders and governments of the world have had several meetings with aliens. He fully believes that we blew it with Valiant Thor. Yeah. He thinks that we had the opportunity to save mankind and our planet, and we failed hard. Yes. And yeah, I'd absolutely have to agree with that. I fully agree with this. Yes. President Eisenhower's great-granddaughter, Laura, also confirms Val's existence. 
She says her grandfather tried to have a meeting with Val and the United Nations, but everyone was just like, no, we're not doing that. But she also speaks at a lot of UFO conventions and she says some crazy ass shit. So I don't know how much we can believe her. Mm-hmm. Like she claims that she's had meetings with aliens okay. and that she believes her grandfather was under reptilian control and that uh, she also like rants about how Barack Obama has been to Mars. Okay. Um, I'll believe that Eisenhower was under the control of reptilians. Uh, I feel like a lot of presidents that may have been. That doesn't feel that far-fetched <laughs> no. somehow. no. She also talks about a divine feminine energy called Sophia. (gasps) Our girl? It could be. Could be. But she says she is very connected to Sophia. And I wonder if she's talking about Sophia Christ. Dude, I wonder if she is talking about Sophia Christ. I don't know. And on another weird note, some people believe Valiant Thor is the reason for Ebola and AIDS. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Wait, what? Uh, Since he was from another planet, it's rumored that no one could touch him or he would spread a bunch of unknown diseases. Okay. So So he gave us Ebola and AIDS? And possibly COVID-19. He was the carrier for all of these. Right. Because I know he wouldn't, if that were even true, like he wouldn't be careful or anything, you know, it's just a stupid, stupid thought. Others completely disregard the story of Valiant Thor and believe Dr. Frank Strange's got the idea for the whole Valiant Thor case from the 1951 classic science fiction movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. (gasps) Because in that movie, an alien lands on Earth and warns the American president against the use of nuclear weapons. It's kind of like a similar story, but... Who knows? Right. Oh, and also, Uh this concludes our uh, story of Valiant Thor and the Venusians, but I would like to mention that someone made Valiant Thor a fucking LinkedIn profile. Really? And I laughed so hard. Wow. And it, because it said it like he worked for like the Air Force or something. (laughs) And I just thought that was like the funniest thing in the world. That's amazing. So yeah. Oh, and if you will refer to, he's the one on the end. (gasps) The one with the jawline? Yeah, he's the one with the jawline. We'll post this picture, too. It's That's um, Valiant Thor, Don with two N's, and Jill. Okay. Um, so I have something to say about Jill. Mm-hmm. So I read on the internet that, you know, Uma Thurman is a Venusian. Yeah. Obviously. Like, look at her eyes. Look, She's a Venusian. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes perfect sense. She's tall. She's elegant. Look at her. So people say that Jill is her relative- Oh, this Jill? This Jill Ooh. is her relative. And there's, like, pictures of them, like, side by side and, like, facial recognition and, like, all this stuff. They and it, look, like, lines up. They don't not look They the don't same. not look alike. And I think that that's just kind of sort of fun. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. So, yeah, that is the story of Valiant Thor. And the Venusians. And the Venusians. And the Venusians. <laughs> and the Venusians. Okay. Yeah. Venusians also. Sure. But mostly Valiant. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. All right, well, that was super fun. Um, I think we're going to call this maybe just like part two in our upcoming Alien series. Alien races, colon, Venusians. We're going to dip back in. In the story of Valiant Thor. Talk about more aliens at a later time. Thoughts on that? Yeah. We've got we got to go over the Anunnaki, the Pleiadians, mm-hmm. Draconians. Mm-hmm. There's 
There's a lot, let me tell you. Well, there's only like a million and 73 or whatever it yeah. was. So like One million this. and 19,000? Yeah, we got this. I do have a listener lore for us, though. Okay. like to hear. Yes. So this week's listener mail comes from Aaron M. So he continues, hi. So here is the story of the last time I ever used a Ouija board. Have to start with a little context. I grew up in an old town in Oklahoma where most of the downtown was built around the late 1800s to early 1900s. There is an old abandoned hospital in town that began construction around the 1920s that's famously haunted. So my friend and I, through a long series of events, got caught up in using a Ouija board for fun. We had always used it in the old buildings and experienced odd things, but for the most part, nothing really crazy happened. So we were hanging out in a parking lot, like you do in any small Midwestern town, and decided to get it out and see if anything happened. To our surprise, the planchette started moving immediately. It kept going up across the Ouija name on top of the board and then would spell out, at hospital, over and over again. We asked why it wanted us to go there, and very slowly over the next several minutes, we gathered that whatever we were talking to claimed to have had a sister who was killed there and buried on the grounds by her nurse, who was an evil person. I'm just going to say this. Never go to a second location. If a Ouija board tells you to? If anyone tells you to go to a second (laughs) location, that is where you get murdered. So please be safe. Anyone who grew up in this town and was remotely interested in the paranormal knew that going to this hospital was a big no-no. See? Not only because the police constantly monitored it, but because there was something eerie about the place. And the stories that came out of there scared everyone off, for the most part. We told this thing that we were speaking to that we would not Ouija there, but we would drive by and we asked where the sister was. I don't know what we were expecting, but the board told us to look in the back third window above the left door. Neither of us were familiar enough with the building to realize that there were, in fact, two doors in the back, one on the right side and one on the left. So we drive over to the hospital. Keep in mind that it's pitch black outside, probably one in the morning, and this building is completely abandoned with just a couple streetlights on the property. There is no power there. And anyway, we get there and pull around to the back. We were coming from the opposite end that the board told us to look, so we slowly drove over and noticed that there was a left door. Huh, cool. We see the left door, look above it, and we started counting windows. One, two, and when we got to three, we both let out audible gasps. The third window above the left door in the back of the building was lit up like daylight. I could fully see the walls in the room as if someone had just flipped a switch. We stared in awe for a second and then got the hell out of there. We got back to our parking spot on the other side of town and hurriedly got the board back out. We didn't even say anything before the planchette started moving and spelled, She saw you. <laughs> this gave us full body chills, of course, but we were a little excited that the sister had seen us. Only according to the board, it was the nurse's spirit that had seen us. Oh, shit. Yes. The evil one. 
That was scary enough, and we kept talking, but we're trying to figure out what to do next. This felt real and almost dangerous to us. Not long after maybe five minutes, the planchette started slowing in the middle of a sentence until it finally came to a stop. It reversed direction, and moving pretty damn fast for a planchette, spelled out, she's here. And then the planchette said goodbye to us and went dead. I would shit my fucking pants. I would shit my pants, too. We threw that thing in the back seat and got the hell out of there. I don't think I slept that night, and I haven't touched a Ouija board since then. I got home and put it in an outdoor shed that we had, which is where it has stayed, untouched, until whoever bought that house next found it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for all the editing you're going to have to do on this one. I am a big fan of excruciating detail. LMAO, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. What a good fucking story. Man, I wonder who found that Ouija board. Someone. My parents found a Ouija board in their house. Awesome. You know the one that I use as a charcuterie board? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. Thank you so much, Aaron. Um, if anyone else has a really fucking scary ghost story, send it our way. We would love to read it. Any Ouija um, stories? Yeah. Love those. That's us. We're crazy for the Ouija's. Let's do it, people. Um, send it over to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com. Or, as always, you can slippery slide into our sexy little DMs, especially <laughs> Valiant Thor. If you're oh, listening. yeah, Valiant Thor, if you're listening, Hit please in the DMs. slide into our DMs. Please do. Please do. Um, yeah, you can do that. We're on all the social meds under Quite Unusual Pod. We also have a Patreon if you would like to support us with your money. With your dollar bills. And we have a new patron to welcome. Oh. Welcome, Mike B. Welcome, welcome. Also, if you would like to send us any, um, I'm just going to put it out there, cursed items, love notes. Ouija um, boards. Maybe just like clumps of your hair. I'll in... take a Ouija board. Yeah, we, just, we don't have one. I have two. We don't have one. <laughs> so if you want to send us a Ouija board or like a clump of your hair or like maybe some dirt maybe from not like a cemetery, hair. do it. I don't cemetery dirt we'll take. Take sure. anything. Send us literally anything. Get fucking weird with it. Um, you can send it to P.O. Box 1212 in Des Plaines, Illinois, 60017. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye. And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, supporters of the podcast, and all-around benevolent beings, because honestly, we can't get no satisfaction. Mm. A no, no, a no. To Tim M. He can't get no satisfaction. He can't get no, oh, no, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. Justin W., when he's driving in his car and a man comes on the radio, telling him more... Evan K. agrees. It's about some useless information supposed to fire his imagination. But KDT, she can't get no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Hey, hey, hey. That's what she say. Adam K. tries and he tries and he tries. But Kelsey C. was watching her TV and a man came on the radio to tell her how white John S.'s shirts should be. Caitlin R. knows she can't get no satisfaction. And Mark W. he can't get no, a no, no, a no. Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Thank you to all of our coven members on Patreon. Without you, we are nothing. We certainly can't get any satisfaction without you. Definitely can't get any satisfaction. We can't. We're not worthy. We don't have satisfaction. No, no, no. No, no, no.
Hey, hey, hey. That's what I said. <laughs>